spent too much time in California. Now I got that Rona. Gotta be a loner. Staring at my phone. Gotta be a loner. Gotta be a loner. What's up, everybody? This is Judy coming at you from quarantine. Trying out a uh, video portion of the podcast, the Alona Virus podcast. Uh, this is it, man. This is this is it. This is real life quarantine. I'm in my sweats. I know you guys are all in your sweats. This is what we wear in quarantine. I don't know who's dressing up. But uh, this is it. So thanks for watching. Thanks for uh, taking a couple minutes out of playing Animal Crossing to uh, hang out and watch this. So things are things are getting real, you know. Um, cases are spiking. We got New Orleans, the new hotspot, the highest incident rate in the world—not the country, but the whole world—and uh, it's getting pretty wild. And uh, I think the reason I'm releasing this so much so rapidly, most podcasts are weekly, is that now's the time for action. This is a temporary thing that I'm doing this. But the information needs to be out. People need to know. And I know that people aren't really watching me or coming to me for info. But I at least feel the need to put it out there. Because if somebody happens to see it and it changes the way they're acting, that, that, would, that would be great. And um, right now we're in a very small and important window. And we need to act now and continue acting to effectively save millions of people. 2 million, 2.2 million Americans the last time I checked the stats or the, the, the predictions. Okay, it's people are talking about relaxing social distance guidelines, but now's actually a time where we need to make them more aggressive uh, if we want to make a difference. The president's talking about getting our lives back by Easter, and we are on track to do that. Easter 2022. Easter is canceled, just like everything else is canceled. Like, we can't make exceptions. We need to stick this out for now so that we can have our lives back sooner and things get back to normal sooner. I think the camera is falling, and that's funny. But okay, we'll keep going. So the data that we have now suggests that if we, if we all stay inside, and I mean all, stay inside for 14 days... We could effectively flatten the curve and get ahead of this. And if we don't, like I said, get more aggressive, this small window is going to close. And the virus is going to be beyond containment for this entire year. And we're going to have more than just a failed economy to mourn. This whole, this whole approach, everything has been botched from the start, starting with testing. People still don't have access to testing. People still aren't able to make smart and informed decisions because they don't know if they're infected or are carrying this, this disease. And there, there are even several, several instances of healthcare workers talking about these are the people that are administering the test to other people and they themselves are unable to get tests because they're asymptomatic. And as we know, most healthy individuals are asymptomatic. So, I mean, it's just absurd because these healthcare workers are the people that are interacting on a daily basis 
with those who are compromised or are they're interacting with vulnerable populations that are going to be most affected by this disease and they could potentially be spreading it unknowingly because they can't get tested and they have to keep working. They just have to. So we have to continue to assume that all of us are infected and we have to stay home. We have to stay home. That's all we can do and we have to keep doing it. And so today, um, I have a, a, my friend Juan. I talked to him. Um, there won't be video, just audio of our conversation, but uh, he himself is a healthcare worker and he worked in Seattle for a very long time, which was one of the first hotspots here in this country. And he shares his experience and uh, he shares a story um, that is similar to what I just said. And he being a healthcare worker himself and not having the ability to get tested when he probably needed to more than most people. So uh, get in your sweats and sit back and listen to me and Juan talk about healthcare workers, talk about Seattle, and talk about this uh, this whole thing. All right, see ya. YouTube. All right, man. Well, thanks for uh, being here, my friend Juan. Uh, and where where are you right now? I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, really? Yeah. So you were not in Washington when all the like hotspot stuff was happening, like first happening. Um, no, kind of though. Why? I went and I went to visit friends for a weekend. So you were you were visiting friends for the weekend in Seattle, and that was the weekend that they had their first death. Yeah, like the day I landed, they just recorded their first death. So there had been recorded cases before you got there, I assume, if that's the case. Yeah, I think it was like pretty low. It was like probably below twenty at the time, or or like at least below like yeah, like there was only a dozen cases or so. And uh, did that give you any like hesitation or anything going or were you just like, yeah, this is not that big a deal? A little bit. Yeah. I was, um, I wasn't sure like how it was going to be playing out. Cause I, I figured like hearing about it and what China was doing was like, well, I mean, hopefully people in Washington, you know, with the cases going on like this and in the Bay area, I think it was pretty much those two places were the first, that whenever I was seeing news of it coming out in the U.S., those were like, of course, the first couple population centers that were being hit. Yeah. But from when I was reading, talking to friends that were working in hospitals there, it was just like, oh, yeah, we haven't had any confirmed cases yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, and what they were saying is like all, pretty much most of them, most of the cases were being traced to a nursing home in Kirkland, which, which is just outside the city. Um, so I figured like, oh, well, I was pretty much staying in an area that was pretty, I was in like South Seattle and Kirkland's more in like the Northeast suburbs part. I was just like, oh, well, I mean, people can get around pretty easily still, but I figured like, well, I'm just going to be hanging out there for two days. I'm just seeing a couple friends for their birthday. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to, was, I was there for like 48 hours total. Right. And I, and I basically just like hung out with friends and we didn't, we went to like a couple bars and that was it. But um, yeah, it was kind of whenever I landed and then I, my friends like, Oh, we just had our first death here. And I was just like, 
oh shit. <laughs> it wasn't really on your mind though when you were in town? Not too much. I mean, there is like, it seems pretty normal still in the city. There's still a lot of people walking around and, and whatnot and like nothing was quite as shut down. Like it was, it started really hitting like two weeks after I was there, after I had already left and I was back in Colorado. So this was back in probably February? Yeah. Um, it was like end of February. End of February, yeah. Yeah, like uh, I think like second week of February or something. And so you worked like or, in, last how week. long were you in uh, Seattle? I lived there for almost nine years. And you worked in healthcare. So yeah. would you say that like just from your experience, and I know you weren't working like in emergency rooms or anything like that, but just from like what you experienced there, do you think that like Seattle, if there had to be a place for a hotspot in the US, was Seattle like prepared infrastructure wise or like was that a a good place for us to like get a grasp on it at first or what do you think? Um, I mean, I think Seattle has probably one of the better healthcare systems in terms of infrastructure in the country, like for the size of the city. Um, like there's some really good hospitals and, and healthcare in general, but at the same time is like, I mean, you have such a range as well. Cause um, there are, I mean, I think one thing that further compounds the issue, I think there is um, kind of issues of like affordability in the, in the area and especially with homelessness, like, exploding in in the seattle region um i know like a lot of hospitals were housing homeless people who have mental health issues that is like another strain on the system that they don't create they don't have as many beds because also washington in general is actually one of the worst states for mental health um not because of like the weather and all that stuff that people complain about but also is like we have the least amount of beds for mental health patients like mm. I think we're like for like Washington was like 48th in the country in terms of like funding for mental health beds. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's one thing that I think, and with the rising costs, like homelessness has skyrocketed, which I think with something like this, it could easily spread around the whole, like the homeless population that can then exacerbate like the system more. Um, one thing that I heard about, because I still am in contact with a lot of my friends that work at University of Washington Hospital and a couple other regional hospitals, is that um, like to add insult to injury is Children's Hospital has, uh, uh, the Children's Hospital of Seattle also, like before this even happened, was in some major trouble because they found out um, like black mold was growing in their operating rooms. Whoa. And the, the hospital administration was just kind of like covering that up. And then they started having cases. Like I think a kid died that was having brain surgery and like mold got into the kid's Holy brain shit. and he ended up dying. So what they did is I think a couple months before this even came, like COVID started hitting, was like children's hospital they closed down all their operating rooms so like they couldn't so any child in the seattle area that needed specialized care for, that was like a surgery 
had to be transported to another hospital. And then they would have to be like stabilized there and then be transferred back to children's. So that yeah. was like, I think generally when the system is working, it, Seattle's pretty good. But like with all those couple things going on, it's just like. It's just really taxed right now. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, at least there was no overlap between black mold and viral pneumonia. Yeah. In the same room. Um, well, that's wild. So you said that you had a, a, like a story that you wanted to share. Yeah. Um, it just, and it kind of plays into like how dysfunctional our, our, our okay. system is being ran. Um, so currently, you know, I'm going to school, uh, part of my schooling as uh, my PhD, um, with like geography and health, um, is I have to TA, so I, I TA part-time and then just so I can like not be eating ramen all the time, um, living a grad student on a grad student uh, salary in a town that's pretty expensive. So I decided to pick up a per diem job at a hospital here mm-hmm. um, in the area. So I work like maybe two to three shifts a month, which is just perfect because then it just gives me a little bit extra money for like food and, and like be able to save up whenever I need to like take trips to go to like a conference or like whatnot. Sure. So the, it was, yeah, I think at the beginning or second weekend of March, I worked one of my shifts. Um, Colorado, only had a handful of cases, but most of them from what I was hearing was like, you know, it was happening in Denver County. Um, and then like, and then like the, a lot of the hot spots were like Aspen and Vail, like, you know, people who are traveling that kind of might've been in a place that had it going to go ski here. And then, you know, that ends up spreading there. Sure. But we hadn't had any, I think we might have had like two confirmed cases in Boulder County. So I was uh, working a shift and like, you know, it seemed like a normal day, like towards the end of my shift that the hospital started closing things down. Like you had to be, every person that was coming into the, every unit had to be screened um, by like the front desk person. All the doors were locked to get in out of the, uh, out of every single unit which when normally it's like ICU is only the one that like you need special privileges to go in and out of, or like the emergency room, like all, but we're like most of like surgical, like med medical surgical units or like a cardiac unit or whatnot. Those typically anybody could go in and out of like towards the end of my shift, they're like closed all the doors and locked everything. And they're like, all right, we've had like three people who are roll out coronavirus and I was just like, all right, well, I'm almost done. I just need to write my notes and I'm going to get out of here. Uh, like three days later, I got a call from my manager, but I was like in class. And then she like sent me a text message like, hey, whenever you have time, give me a call back. I need, I need to talk to you about something. I was like, oh shit, did I like fuck up on something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, did I not like charge or like bill bill the patient or did I like screw up on a note because like since I only work a couple days a week it sometimes or a couple days or a month 
you know, it's hard to kind of like make sure I do everything that I'm supposed to do all the time. Right. Um, but then whenever I called, whenever I called her, she's like, Hey, so we got some concerning news. Um, so there was a doctor here at the hospital that at the time, I guess he was working with patients and he was asymptomatic. And, and then a couple of days after his shift, he started having symptoms and he's now hospitalized and tested positive for coronavirus. So you worked with one of his patients. Um, well, actually, I don't know if it was a man or a woman. I'll just say they. Um, you worked with one of their patients. Um, and so right now we're testing that patient for coronavirus if they turn positive. And they told me the name of the patient and I like knew exactly who that person was. And I remember I was like, I worked with them for like 40 minutes. Um, and like, I was in, like being a ther like an occupational therapist. I was like in very close contact cause we were doing things like with, you know, their daily living and whatnot. And this patient particularly was having more issues with like being able to even just stand. So I was like helping them trying to like do exercises and like, like as having hands-on assist and being like, you know, a couple feet from them for like 30 to 40 minutes, like helping them work out and like try to get, figure out how to like reteach them how to stand so then they can like get to and from a toilet or to and from in and out of bed to a chair or to a wheelchair or something at the time. And so I was like, oh great. Like I was with them for more than 15 minutes Luckily, I mean, every time I go into a room, of course, it's just like standard practice to like um, sanitize in, sanitize out. I always wear gloves, but it's just like, you know, being in that close of contact, I can't remember if he like might have sneezed or coughed or even like breathed really heavily on me. And I'm like right there in the, in the patient's face. And it's just like shit. Like, sure. I mean, it's just like if this person tests positive, like I have a super high likelihood that I'm positive. And he's like, well, I'm, I've been asymptomatic, but that doesn't really mean anything right? because you know, there's so many people that are, have been asymptomatic that tested positive or that have been able to spread it to other people that end up getting sick and testing positive. Sure. So whenever I talked to my manager about that, I was like, well, I, the first question I had was like, well, if this person tests positive, does that mean that I have to go in and get tested? And they were like, no. <laughs> Which I was just like, what do you mean? Like, I was in, I have such a high likelihood of getting it if this person tested positive. Like, well, you can come in if you're symptomatic and get what? tested. Yeah. Okay. That's so, really weird. Yeah. Um, well, like, yeah, it was like just really concerning because like one and it like whenever I just like aired some frustration, it's like, this is ridiculous. Like we don't have enough tests for healthcare workers, but yet like you see like celebrities that are asymptomatic getting tested. You see athletes that are asymptomatic getting tested. Like all these people like pretty much that like are well off are right. getting tested. You're you're, you'd be like primed to spread it to vulnerable populations. Like that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. And it's nice for me to know if I was like to like, I mean, I'm, 
I have a partner mm-hmm. and my partner works in healthcare too mm. in an in inpatient mental health setting. And yep. it's like, since we're in close contact with each other, she can test, po- she can be positive too and unknowingly spread it to people in her unit. So, and, and then whenever I like aired my frustration, my manager's like, no, I was like, you know what, if we had tests, for sure, like we would probably want to test every single person that works here. Of course, uh, we would want to test every person in the country. Well, yeah, but it, like, it's just even while like being on the front line and having like a possible direct exposure that like they still were telling me, oh, they're just like, you don't need to get tested. Just stay at home and self-quarantine. I'm just like, well, so I've been doing that already anyway. um, But it's it's not going to change the fact that like I could have sent it to my, I could have spread this to my wife and she might not, and she could possibly be positive as well. And who knows what's going on. And And that's just another vector. Right, a huge line of transmission from both of you guys, potentially. Yeah. And so did that patient get the test results? Yeah, they got the test results later on, and luckily they came back negative. So okay. well, that was good. a huge relief. Yeah, so from yeah, I was kind of freaking out for like a full, like almost two days. Like I had to re- finish a paper and like finish reading a book, and I had to like ask for an extension, and luckily because of the extenuating circumstances, my professor was like really nice about that. Um, okay. and, but you felt fine, right? Yeah. I mean, the yeah. thing, like the thing that kind of sucks with this is that like it's happening at a time where I'm having seasonal allergies. Sure. At first it's just like, I'm waking up with a sore throat and I'm just like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, like hyper vigilant about how I was feeling like the two days that it took for the test results to come back. And part of me was still in my mind thinking like, well, you know, it's allergy season right now for you. And it's like, yeah, you're going to wake up with a sore throat because you have like all this post nasal drip uh-huh. when you're sleeping. And you know, after I have like a cup of coffee or tea, it starts going away, but right. It's a lot of people talking themselves into uh, some symptoms right now. I think. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, weird time to be anywhere. Uh, but one thing that sort of comforts me is, and from what I've read is, especially like within hospitals, there hasn't seemed to be been a lot of transmission. I know there has been some, but I was reading like some patients that tested positive that were under care without knowing that they had the disease for like a, an extended period of time and came in contact with like dozens of healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, all that, and didn't spread it to anybody. And it just kind of showed that the hand washing, just like the rote hand washing that's already built into that system does work, which is nice and comforting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> like one silver lining that once this started happening was like, you know, seeing people actually learning how to wash their hands correctly and washing their hands more often. Because I mean, I'm sure you experience this all the time, like going into a men's restroom there's so many times I see like a guy piss and then just walk right out, not wash their hands. Yeah. And just like, That's fucking disgusting. You're going to like touch a surface that I'm touching. Uh, I might possibly touch. And he's like, I don't want to touch 
the service that you had your hand <laughs> touching your dick. Like I basically touched your dick. No, I don't want to touch your dick. <laughs> well, but, <laughs> six degrees from his bacon, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but that's like nice now seeing like dudes actually washing their hands. And it's a big and, like, deal. Everybody, yeah, it's just like, yeah, thank you like for being a little bit more hygienic. Yeah, it it, it's, it's, it sucks that it has to come at, at like at this moment at like, such right cost. Here. Yeah. Right. Um, well, thank you. That that's that is a, a very telling story from behind the walls of the hospital doors. The walls of the doors. That's what I just said. Um, <laughs> but I do have a, like some questions that I've been asking everybody. Um, yeah. The first one is, so you're under quarantine right now. You said that you're. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, uh, Denver and Boulder County so far are the only places in Colorado that have a stay-at-home orders now. Like okay. that started yesterday. But for the last about a week or so, I've pretty much just been staying home. Yeah, leaving only for like I. Whenever I heard about my possible direct exposure, I just stayed home the whole time. Sure. Like luckily I have a place that has a little outdoor yard patio. So, so I'm not like constantly inside. I like, will go outside and read a little bit whenever the weather's a little bit nice here. Um, but aside from that, I've just pretty much been staying inside. Um, okay. and I, I didn't even leave, but once I got that like negative, I was just like, okay, well, I feel a little bit more comfortable going to the grocery store and just like going, going, like going with a list, knowing what I need to get, like getting in and getting out and like making sure that what's nice is actually the, the grocery store that I go to has like right at the entrance, like sanitizing wipes. So it's just like grab a wipe, wipe down the basket and then just like do that. Right. That has been a nice change that I've seen as well. Um, But so I guess maybe, I don't know if it's going to be a big difference for you considering that you're a hardworking student, but what do you think you would be doing right now if not in quarantine? What is it, Wednesday at noon for you? Yeah. Um, if I mean, if I, I mean, yeah, I'm basically just doing probably what I, no, well, I'd probably be outside more. Mm-hmm. Um, like either going for like, I'd probably be going for more runs or bike rides. I mean, I try to leave like once a day just to like go on a short bike ride. I don't try to spend too much time outside, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm just been cooking yeah. as well. Like I've been cooking a lot uh, and uh, trying to like get, get back more into like music stuff as well. Like trying to work on some, some music project ideas that I've had um, kind of I remember playing music about. with you back in the day. Yeah. That was always yeah. fun. Cool. Well, that sounds awesome. Um, that kind of ties me into another question. So what good do you think will come out of this situation for you or for, for everybody? I mean, I think touching on one thing is like maybe having people be a little bit more mindful of like their own hygiene. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, like, I mean, just hand washing, I think, is going to be really important. And I think that's something that's often neglected. Um, so hopefully with that, um, yeah. 
at least for me, I think, um, I think like kind of appreciating like human contact <laughs> again. Sure. That'll probably be like a lot nicer because before we had the stay at home um, order. I mean, there was like one time I had like one friend over, and we just like had dinner, and like they had been self quarantining for like the last week too, and so we like and it was just like really nice seeing someone in person, although like. It's nice having all the technology right now with like Skype and FaceTime and Zoom and keeping in contact with people that way. Like having, we've been ha like a few of my friends here, we've been having just like weekly happy hour Zoom meetings mm -hmm. um, for the last two weeks. And um, like that's kind of, that's been nice, but I think, yeah, whenever I had like a friend come over, I was just like, oh, it's like nice actually seeing you. Like, so you, you'll think you will appreciate that a little bit more when you can again. Yeah. See people in the flesh. Yeah. And one thing that's not been nice, like one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is to like connect with people. I haven't talked to you in a long time, so this has been fun. Something good coming out of it. Yeah. Um, and so the last question is, uh, what are, what do you fear most about this whole thing? Uh, that things go back to how it was before. Can you, uh, uh so like, you know, people forget and like, you know, get back, go back to being like unhygienic with their hands, like not washing their hands. I mean, there's already stuff going on now that kind of signals like we're just using the same solutions that to like other crises that in the past and not being creative, like seeing our government um, bail out big businesses. And I, I just read that how they're like, they have like a $2 trillion uh, stimulus. Like stimulus package. And it's like, I think it was like 200 billion going to like direct cash payments for people, 350 going to small businesses. And it's like, all right, so that accounts for like, so like 250 plus 350, that's 600, 600 billion out of 2 trillion is going to like average people. Yeah. Like where is all the rest of that money going to? And part of me is just like, I mean, I'm sure you as well might be like, saddled with student loan debt like getting a master's in public health or whatnot but like i definitely am um and it's just like crazy because like that two trillion dollars could go to like canceling student debt which would probably stimulate the economy because that would open up so much expendable money that two trillion dollars can go to like trying to establish like universal health care in this country and it's just like, holy shit, like we're just giving money to fucking big businesses that like honestly, like they are like a huge issue in terms of exploiting people in general. It's just like, oh wow, like there's a meme that's been going around that's funny that's just like, oh, like who knew like when people can't work that the economy slows down it's like it's like the economy runs on people's labor i wonder if somebody's written about this and it's like 
fucking does. Like <laughs> it's all driven by people who are working class and like even like even middle class people that you know are usually the people that produce the m- most like value in the country and yet don't reap any of the benefits of their own labor. And it's just, uh, that's like the most frustrating thing is just seeing how like we're just using like the same um, solutions. Like when we, like, of course it's not the exact same as like the 2008 crash, but it's like we pumped all this money into like wall street and all this shit. And yet like all it did was create further income inequality. Yeah. Like the economy, the, the economy recovered, but it's like, you know, the income inequality grew and it's just like when wages stagnate and all the shit. So it's like, we're doing the same exact thing and it's like not really going to help people. Cause it, I think it's something like $1,200 for every individual or like 3000 for families. And it's like, great. Like, $1,200, that's one month's like rent and maybe a little bit of my grocery bills, but that doesn't cover everything else. Right. And, and, and like for people that might live in like LA or New York City or like the Bay Area, it's like $1,200 isn't even their rent. Sure. And there, there's people that are out of, they're out of their job. Um, luckily, there's places that, like the one thing that's been nice is show, seeing how some of the like moratoriums on evictions and like shutting off utilities yeah, and things like that in certain areas, that's like kind of great, but it's also like seeing all, a lot of people as well. Like, well, you know, I'm a landlord and you know, this is how I like, I'm able to like make money. It's just like, well, does that mean that all you do is basically like hoard homes? <laughs> and it's like, why don't you have like a job? Like, right. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the, there is a real opportunity to change how things are done right now. Yeah. But it does seem like it's going back towards like money over people when there, there is a, there is a chance. There's a window here to put yeah. people over money and to actually like we we hit pause which is something that has never really happened before right like we we hit pause on almost everything and so yeah. we have a we have a chance to reassess and it i i agree with you it doesn't make sense to just kind of like go back to these old ways that kind of caused they didn't cause this virus i'm not trying to say that but they they did cause these the the the, in, the ineffectiveness of the systems that were that have become really obvious right now. Yeah. I mean, it just shows like the inefficiency of like our economic system. Cause yeah. like, yeah. Um, like this virus is a real biological thing, but it's the, it, it becomes a pandemic through like the social and economic processes that are approached to this biological virus. Right. And part of that is just like the global economy. Everybody's going everywhere. It's hard to contain something. It it really is. Like that's a real thing. But you look at Cuba right now and they are doing really well as far, like maybe the best in the world right now with how they're handling the situation. Yeah. You look at us and we're probably the worst. Yeah. And you have like other countries like Korea 
who like once, I mean, once they knew that this was going to start spreading, they like got really aggressive in terms of testing like everyone. And if you knew you tested positive, like they quarantined you and they separated those people who were testing positive, which like, I think in the United States, we'd be like, oh my God, that's like a nose overstep of the government. But it's also like their infection rate has been pretty high, but yet their death rate has been so much lower than like Italy and here and, and like a lot of other countries. And it's part of it is like, you know, is like, cause they were aggressive and made like these bold moves to be able to stem the spread of this, or at least like the spread happened, but ultimately like getting to the people that are testing positive, giving them treatment, like, and like, also by doing that stopping the spread from getting worse so it's like that it becomes like a much worse pandemic because of like the action like the actions that happen within like all these other social processes like right and our and- our so-called like freedoms and right which i mean they're not so called they're they're amazing they're great but like at we can make a couple of sacrifices to help ourselves and let's not overlook the fact that koreans are probably much healthier people than we are in general (laughs) and that's that's making a big difference too yeah um yeah for sure i mean yeah like this whole thing i think definitely for me is just like further like affirms like a lot of my own political leanings just because you see how things are being planned panned out and also like the fact that i'm studying like i mean coming from healthcare and then like studying something like geography and understanding like how like human interactions happen in space and kind of taking the critical view of all those things and how it's applied to health it just shows like um how, like health is more than just like a biological concept like i mean you can be free of disease free of like a particular disease but you can still be extremely unhealthy because like, yeah like i mean yeah with various populations that are like segregated or marginalized within our own world that like it ends up panning out that like all these social st- structures end up like affecting people's health like you you can have like you can tell how like you can predict life expectancy by the zip code someone lives in yep. rather than like actual biological functions like that's a bitter predictor of life expectancy social determinants of health we call that yeah, public exactly. health yeah and it's a very very real thing yeah absolutely um well thanks Juan that was a Good answer. Good conversation. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. I'm just, I was, uh, now just, I'll stop there. I'll stop, uh, uh, my ranting. (laughs) I I mean, it's up to you, man. You know, um, you know, I was going to say if, unless, um, I was, I was just thinking like, there's one thing that's been really nice about like kind of this going on and a lot of people becoming like, you know, it's not good that people are losing their jobs. They're like put in these precarious situations. But one thing that has been opportunistic for it is like, the, at least 
countrywide, and I think it's gaining like international um, presence is like the idea of a rent strike and a utility strike and just striking to like show like, you know, this system doesn't work unless like the people who like actually help, you know, pay rent, who pay utilities, like do all these things. And like the only way these, like our world can actually keep continue turning economically is like having the people who are the everyday worker, like have um, a little more say in like what goes on. And I, and I would like, I, it sucks that they like passed this $2 trillion measure already but like did, I th- did it pass I, th- I think it's like I, it might not have officially passed but i think from okay. what i've heard is that like it's probably gonna pass and okay. like and our president said they'll he'll sign any package right now because <laughs> i think he's just in dire straits because of course the whole bungling of this situation but i think if it was just like if we if people and communities were able to mobilize and just show like hey like we're not gonna, we need a little bit more say in how this money's being spent. It should be like a trillion dollars should be going to like direct payments and whatnot. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's like if we had more stake and we're able to demonstrate how much of a, like how much power we actually have over our system, I think hopefully that can carry a stronger message. And I think one thing that's been great is like seeing people propose this like general strike on like, no, we're not going to pay because like we know people who like developers and like huge landlords that own a shit ton of real estate can afford (laughs) to like not collect rent. Yeah. Or like, you know, utilities can afford to like postpone like bills for the next couple months because you know they you see all these companies doing like and executives having these stock buybacks right before the market starts crashing so they can like guard their money and it's like billions upon billions of dollars but then it's just like well we're shit out of luck yeah like there's so many there's millions of people filing for unemployment and like some of them aren't being approved because some of the b- companies are like, oh, well, we temporarily restricted your hours. So you're not technically unemployed. Well, I, I filed. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, hopefully yeah. <laughs> you're able to do that. I mean, it, 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 there's supposedly some expansions of unemployment benefits. But in California, they, it said that if your hours were reduced, you were uh, qualified. So I'll, yeah. I'm sure it's different in every state, but, but I think there are a lot of people out, out there. All, all four of my listeners would probably agree with you. Hopefully <laughs> the more people get on board as well. Still working on the whole promotion thing, you know, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, I really appreciate you talking to me. This has been awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. Stay safe. Take care. You too, man. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. All right. Spent too much time in California. Now I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania.